Are you new to the indie publishing world? Do you want to know if self-publishing is right for you? You've come to the right place, where you'll find tips, tricks, and the answers to the questions you've always had about writing, marketing, and self-publishing. Welcome to the Hot Mess Writer's Life. Help for the indie author with me, Lynn Howard. Welcome back to a Hot Mess Writer's Life. Help for the indie author with me, Lynn Howard. Just a reminder, Shift and Priority is still available. It is no longer wide. It is now only available through Amazon as an ebook, but it is still available in paperback in all other outlets. Okay, so our topic today actually changed because I had something else in mind and then I got the phone call. I get asked the same question at least two or three times a week. I want to write a book. How do I start? That is one of the more difficult questions to answer because we're all different, but today I'm going to walk you through how I write and hopefully that'll help you. Disclaimer, we're all different. My system may not work for you. Someone else's system may work for you. I know I couldn't write like some of the big time authors where they write at five o'clock in the morning. I'm not awake at five o'clock in the morning. My brain's not awake at five o'clock in the morning. If you hear that I'm getting up early at the crack of dawn, usually doing admin work, editing a video, editing a podcast, things like that, my brain is not functioning enough to actually put down coherent words at five o'clock in the morning. So let's start with the phone call. And I'm going to change names and I'm going to change topics that he was discussing because, well, privacy. So let's pretend Jay called me and wants to write a book about fish. That's not what he wants to write a book about, just in case you're wondering. So my question was nonfiction or fiction? He said he thinks it wants to be nonfiction. Now I'm a fiction writer. I'm not a nonfiction writer, but a lot of the systems are kind of the same. Okay. I'm going to focus, this one is going to be on fiction. So we're going to change his conversation and my conversation and pretend it's fiction. Okay. So I asked him, what do you want to write about fish? What, what are you, are you wanting to talk about the species of the fish? Are you wanting to talk about how they swim? I don't know. Okay. First thing you have to do is decide what it is you're going to write. Now, this is actually one of my favorite parts is deciding what I'm going to write and how I'm going to write it. Um, character building, the world building, the plotting. Now, I'm not a big plotter, but I do like to have my characters flush out. I want to know everything about them. Now, Lynn, how do I do that? We've all watched movies, right? And sometimes you watch a movie and you lay in bed and you got your eyes closed and you're thinking about that movie. You can see that movie, right? Behind your eyelids and you can hear the voices. That is how I see my characters. I will close my eyes and I will watch them quote unquote, interact with each other. I will listen to their voices. Now, obviously this is my imagination. This isn't some mystical thing coming into my head and like planning ideas, but this is how I meet my characters. I guess you can say dreamlike, trance-like. I'm not really in a trance or a dream, but I will literally watch them interact because what I'm doing is I'm trying to find depiction versus description. Genevieve Scholl, one of my best friends in the whole world. She's also an author and she is currently my, my PA. She's doing fabulous. She has a YouTube channel. You need to go check it out because she talks about that. Her, here's the, the text that she sent me to, to 
elaborate on that. Instead of show versus tell, I use description versus depiction as an easy way to know the difference. Instead of describing, telling us what someone is doing, depict, show it. Imagine how it would look as a movie and show that in the words. So when you're watching your characters in your, your head, you want to hear how their voice sounds, but you don't want to put down, you know, her squeaky voice. Well, I mean, you can, but squeaky like Minnie Mouse, squeaky like Renee Zellweger, you want to describe it so that we can see it and feel it by reading it, not by because you told us that's what she sounds like. We want to hear it ourselves, right? So you've got your characters. Now, what are they going to do? That is your plot. That is your topic. It, are they going to battle monsters in Middle Earth? Are they going to go to a wizard school? Obviously, don't use either of these because they've already been done. I'm just using examples. As you're watching them, what are they doing? Are, are they trying to fight something? Are they falling in love? Are they fighting each other maybe like they're bickering? That is where you're going to start seeing scenes start playing out. And that's where you're going to have your aha moment, right? You don't have to do it this way. Another way you can do it. Okay, I'm segueing off and like chasing rabbits here. But if you don't want to start with the characters, maybe you have an idea and it's about fish. What about fish? What do you want to write about those fish, right? Close your eyes and watch. It will come to you. It's, it's like a subconscious thing. I don't even know how to explain it. And I'm not the only one that does this. Trust me when I say that. A lot of authors I know, we can actually close our eyes and type what we see, right? You've got to come up with the topic, which is your plot, whether it's nonfiction or fiction. Nonfiction would be your topic. Fiction would be your plot. But we're focusing primarily on fiction today. You need to know what that fish is going to do. Are you writing a book about fish that swim upstream, like salmon? Are you writing about fish that eat whatever that is off of sharks? Figure out what it is that you want to write about. So you can either start with your characters and be character-driven. You can figure out your plot and be plot-driven, okay? Now close your eyes again. Watch everybody interact. Watch how they're functioning. That is going to help develop your acts, your act one, two, and three. Sometimes, personally, because I'm a planter or a plotzer, I know high points, but I don't know the little things that'll happen in between. I know some authors that will plot down to the minute of their book. I'm a plotzer. I plot the main points and I move from there. Now, as you're having this, these visions, as you're imagining how these characters are going to act, open a notebook or a file on your computer. I use a laptop and a notebook and postcards because I am extra, I guess. Label out those things. And you, at this point, because you're talking to yourself, you can say brown hair, blue eyes, six foot tall, squeaky voice, however you want to do it, because you know what you mean by that, right? But when it comes time, you need to depict it. You need to make sure that it is described to the reader so that they see it in their head, it's depicted in their head and you're not telling them. So now you've got like bullet points. You've got your characters in mind. You may or may not have a name. I've changed names. I've put guy, you know, or hero or H on there. You've got your characters, you've got your topic. Now it's time to sit down and decide where that story is going. You've watched them interact in your head. 
right? You've watched their personalities. What is the driving factor of this story? What is the conflict? You know, yeah, we've all seen Hallmark movies. We all know in the Hallmark movies, there's always some kind of a misunderstanding that's going to bring them back together in the end. <laughs> they all have the same plot line and we all watch them over and over. It's Christmas movie time. I'm watching them while I'm right. And it's the same movies over and over, but I still watch them. But you have to have a conflict. It can't just be watching these characters go through their life. It's not a reality show. Even reality shows have, you know, conflict. The people are fighting each other in these shows and screaming at each other and stealing from each other. You have to have a conflict. I read a romance book. Um, what was it called? Bet Me, I think. It was back in the early aughts, I believe, early 2000s. And she was, well, your average size woman, a little on the heavier side, like we all are. And he was, of course, a you know, successful, good-looking guy. And the conflict was her self-esteem and finding out that it was a bet that he came over and asked her out. That was the conflict. Of course, it was resolved because it was a romance, you know, happily ever after or happily for now. You have to decide what your conflict is. Is it, you know, trying to stay safe from aliens? Is it, you know, getting over grief and moving on to date again? Yeah, I wish you guys were in the room. I need in one of these days record this like on camera so you can see that I, I swing my hands around and I point to things like you're, you're sitting here watching me. Maybe I'll do that on the Patreon. Oh, that reminds me, I have a Patreon now, but it's not really fully set up. So I don't know if I want you to go to it yet or not, but okay. So you've got your characters, you've got your topic, your subject, your plot, however you want to say it, and you've got your conflict. Now comes time for act one, act two, and act three. Act one is your overview. Act one is your opening or the inciting incident, right? The meet cute. Um, in my, my current book right now, there was a big old fight scene that, you know, endangered a woman. I'm not going to go more into that because that's what I'm writing for NaNoWriMo. But you have to have your inciting incident. It's, it's the turning point. It's going to lead you into act two. Act two is the rising action midpoint turning points into act three. What does that mean? It's the midpoint. Now, obviously you don't want to go inciting incident, boring, 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 boring climax. Think of it like a roller coaster almost. You, you got to have ebbs and flows. You got to give people time to breathe. So your middle is going to have action again. You want something else that's going to drive your characters to do whatever it is you want them to do. Their end goal, whether it is running off into the sunset together, whether it is defeating their enemy and, and falling into each other's arms. That has to feed into act three. Act three is usually your climax. You know, it's yay, we defeated the monsters. It's like the last part of the book. It's you're coming to the end, not the very last part. The last part's things being wrapped up, obviously. But the act three is the climax. That is where, you know, if you watch Hallmark movies where, oh no, she overheard him talking to a woman. So obviously he's not in love with her and she runs back to the city because obviously they're all from the city and the men are always from the country or vice versa. And then it's wrapped up because, oh no, wait, it was a misunderstanding and they fall in love. So you've got your characters, you've got your plot, you got your act one, two, and three. This is where you're gonna start piecing things together, okay? If you have a start, stop 15 times, it's okay. Especially if this is your first book, it's okay. I have been writing for a very long time. I have a lot of books under my belt and I do complete rewrites from chapter one. I've had 50,000 words, 30,000 words. And I've started over again because I wasn't following my own formula. 
waving my hands around again. <laughs> I really got to put this on camera for you guys sometime. So now you have to fill in the rest of it, right? So you have your characters that are starting out in act one. It may be only one character we meet in the very beginning, or maybe both of them, but at some point, if this is, I'm going to use a romance, if this is two characters, man and woman falling in love, at some point they have to come together for the inciting incident that's going to push the narrative forward, that's going to push the story forward. Otherwise, again, you just have characters walking around in life, you know, doing what we do every single day. You know, our lives obviously aren't interesting. We don't have inciting incident act two and act three. It's just, it's just life. We get up, we go to work, we go to bed. We don't want to see that in books. That's boring. We read books for an escape. So you need to make sure there's something in that first chapter that's grabbing the reader's attention. First few paragraphs are ideal, but that doesn't always have to happen that way, obviously. Um, because I'm not going to care about Susie getting hit by a car because I've never met Susie. I don't know anything about her. Why should I care about that? Do you guys remember the, the movie Steel Magnolias? Do you remember how heart-wrenching it was when Shelby died at the end? Why do you think that was? Because they gave us all that time to get to know her and get to know the characters. You know, so by the time, you know, the climax of Shelby dying, it ripped our hearts out, man. We were crying right along with with uh, Malian, with Malian, gotta have the accent. Because we hurt for her, it was, yeah, that was our daughter that just died, oh my gosh. Each of your acts need to have some kind of an emotional draw, whether you're writing contemporary romance, whether you're writing women's lit, whether you're writing, you know, a, an epic fantasy, you have to have something that keeps people drawn in. Give them breathers. Don't let this roller coaster just be a constant upward and then bleh, down at the bottom. Give them breathers. Let us get to know the characters. Let us care about your characters so that when the climax comes, we're rooting for your people. We're rooting for your characters, right? You finally finished your book. It probably took you months, maybe years. It, it, it depends on who you are. I've had books that took me three weeks to write. I've had books that took me six months to write. I've had books that took me two years to write. I have one book that I'm still working on that I've been working on on the side because it's a very emotional to me kind of book. So it's emotionally draining for me to write it. But you finally finished your book. Okay. You're going to let that marinate for a minute because you remember everything you wrote, right? Let it marinate for a day, two days, three days, a week, a month, whatever you need. I can usually let it sit for a day or two while I work on something else to clean my palate. And then I go back. You're going to read your book from the very beginning to the very end. And you're going to kill your darlings. Yes, you are. There are so many ways to say <laughs> So one of my crutches when I write is the word just. I write just a lot and I write even a lot. And I don't know why. So sometimes I catch myself doing it. Sometimes I don't. Go through there as you're writing and cut those out. Change them. Merely, simply, or just take that out completely. You're going to kill off sentences. You're going to kill off paragraphs. You might even take out secondary or tertiary characters if they're not pushing that plot line along. If they're not supporting the cast, there's no reason to have them. You know, it's like watching extras in a movie. We don't care if they die because we don't know anything about them, right? It sounded awful, but it's fiction, so it's not like they're really dying in real life. Make sure that every single word in that book is pushing your story and pushing your plot line. Kill off anything that doesn't make sense. 
kill off anything that is dragging the story down. And you may end up having to add words as well. They say, I think it's, you should delete like 10%, I think it is. I'll have to go back and look at those numbers. I do that and I always end up adding more later because I thought what I wrote when I wrote it made complete sense. It was like, yeah, that's a great line. And when I go back and read my own line and it doesn't make sense, obviously it's not gonna make sense to you guys either. So either I'll take that line out or I'll completely restructure that line or that paragraph or that scene. Make sure it's keeping your attention. Yeah, you're excited, it's your book, you love your characters, but if you're bored reading it and if you're bored writing it, readers are gonna be bored as well. It'll come out as forced. I've read books where I felt like they were forcing the entire, and it, I'm talking like some of my favorite authors, I won't say names because I don't wanna be mad at me, but some of my favorite authors, there's books where I felt like they were forcing it just to get the next book out. So you're gonna read through every single word. You're gonna edit the best you can. You hit end, day, two, a week, go back, do it again with a fresh mind. If you need to do something in between, read a book out of your genre, start a new book, whatever, to, to cleanse your palate, that's fine. But go back, do it again from the very beginning to the very end. I heard a tip one time that you should read the book out loud to yourself that you'll catch mistakes. I don't know if it's coming across on the the microphone, but I kind of have a raspy voice naturally. So it's very easy for me to blow my voice out. That's why I try to do anything recording wise, like middle of the day, because by end of the night, just my voice is tired and it's crackling and it's kind of Kermit the Frogish. So I try to cut that down in the evening. But if you can, especially the second time, sit down and read that book out loud, or even do one of the programs where the computer reads it to you out loud, that will help you catch mistakes but you're gonna do it just like you did before, very slowly. And if there's any words you use as crutches, if there's anything that didn't make sense, any typos that maybe you didn't catch that first time. And I promise you, if you do this 10 times, you're gonna miss typos. It doesn't matter how many times you do it, you're gonna miss them. That's why we have proofreaders, editors, and beta readers, so that they can catch those things. Now, after you've gone through that book again, you can send it to your beta readers or you can reread it a third time. It's up to you at that point. I tend to do it two or three times depending on how long the book is and how complex the story is. So you finish the book. At this point, you've talked to a few people, right? You've told them I'm writing. You've been building this community because you know I told you guys to in one of my last videos, you want to build a community of fellow writers. You want to meet fellow readers because obviously most of us start writing because we're avid readers. So you've made some friends with readers who love the genre you're writing in. So you're gonna have a few beta readers and you're gonna ask them to look through for you. And if you want, they can catch um, typos. Mine do because they just do, that's what they wanna do. But I'm always looking for plot holes, chemistry issues, timing, you know, does something not make sense? Um, I write in Office Word and several of my betas will read it in Office Word. So I will highlight, does this make sense? Is this too graphic? You know, is this scene too long? You know, things like that. I'm showing you guys again with my hands. But that way they can answer me on the computer. They can just type in their notes. But have them check for those things, the plot holes, the chemistry, the timing. You have to have a thick skin. I have a video on YouTube about having a thick skin. Any critique you get, especially from your betas, it's not personal. This is not a personal attack. You need to see the criticism as constructive. It is helping you to become a better writer. So now the beta readers have read your book. 
they've gone through and they said, you know, you forgot to tell me what happened to Bob Jones over here, who Susie rescued from the dragon and said, I'll be back for you. Oh, shoot, I did forget about that. Gotta go back and fix that. So when they give you the notes, if one out of 10 person doesn't like that the heroine is wearing red shoes, you don't have to take that to heart. If six out of 10 characters are telling you that that kissing scene was a little raunchy or boring, do take that one to heart. Maybe go back and revisit it, do a little reconstructuring and then send it back to them. You don't even have to send the whole book. You can send that scene back to them. The beta readers have finished. You've made your changes. This can take some time too, especially if you're working or have kids or, you know, I, I have a disability. So sometimes it's, sometimes it's slow moving. Sometimes it's fast. You got your notes back, made your changes. Everybody's happy. At this point, you found an editor, right? Right? Please nod. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Do not, we've discussed this in another podcast, do not release anything into the world without at least three sets of eyes and one of them being an editor. There are so many ways to find editors. You can find, you know, a freelancer. You can find a, uh, a college student who's maybe majoring in English, um, anything like that. But I, I do have a paid editor. Um, I've been using the same one for eight years now. I don't even know anymore. Um, yeah, I've been using her for a long time. But you make sure you have an editor. Now, that's all I'm going to tell you for this one for how to write the book. If at any point I lost you or didn't address something, please feel free to hit me up at my email at authorlynnhoward at yahoo.com or you can join the Facebook group so we can have discussions. Maybe I chased rabbits and ran off topic and confused you or maybe I didn't hit something that you really want to know about at any point. I love to help people. That's why I have this podcast. You know, when I started, I don't even know if there were podcasts back then. To be honest with you, I'm sure there were. It was 11 years ago. It's not like 50 years ago. But we didn't have this whole plethora of the YouTube thing, you know, where there were so many authors out there helping each other. I did no research. I, I did nothing. I want to help you avoid making the same mistakes I did, basically. Just I, I don't want you guys to fail so badly the way I did. I, I'm not telling you that if you follow all the rules, you're going to be a best-selling author with your first book or make an income from your first book. It takes a lot of work and sometimes it can take a lot of time. Yeah, there's flash in the pan incidences, but those are far and few between. So until next time, guys, remember if there's a topic you want me to address, hit me up on the Facebook group. It's just a hot mess writer's life. Or you can email me at authorlynnhoward at yahoo.com. I also have a website. It's lynnhowardbooks.com. And there are worksheets you can use for character building. And my podcasts are usually listed on there as well. So until next time, guys. Mwah! Bye.